Chaloma. You're listening to Watered Womanhood, the podcast for women walking in the truth of who Yahuwah, the Most High, says we are, where we uncover what it means to be His bride. I'm Rabbi Shah Aloha Lani, founder of the Hebrew Housewife, a set-apart homemaking blog for the daughters of Israel. I've been studying the Word all my life and ministering to Israelite sisters since 2019 by the grace of Abinawa with original homemaking tips, biblical marital advisory, and truth-based devotionals. Join me in building up the kingdom at Watered Womanhood on Instagram, thehebrewhousewife.com, and right here as we fellowship in spirit and in truth. As you may or may not know, the Most High has a bride. Now, I don't say this to be blasphemous, and I'm not making up lies. The bride of Yahuwah is actually named in the books of Hosea, Isaiah 54, and Revelation 21. As a matter of fact, the podcast, Watered Womanhood, is actually founded upon the principles, the expectation, the honor, and the femininity of this bride that we see. And I'll actually share some of the scriptures upon which this bride is expounded And I hope that you will take the time for yourself to actually read it. We're going to be turning first to Hosea chapter 2. Feel free to read along. I'll begin at verse 1. Say to your brothers, O my people, and to your sisters, O compassioned one, strive with your mother, strive, for she is not my wife, nor am I her husband. Let her put away her whorings from her face and her adulteries from between her breasts lest I strip her naked and set her up as on the day she was born and shall make her like a wilderness and shall set her like a dry land and shall put her to death with thirst. And I shall not have compassion on her children for they are the children of whorings for their mother has whored. She who conceived them has acted shamelessly for she said, I go after my lovers who give me my bread and my water, my wool and my linen, my oil and my drink. Therefore, See, I am hedging up your way with thorns, and I shall wall her in so that she does not find her paths, and she shall pursue her lovers, but not overtake them, and shall seek them, but not find them. Then she shall say, Let me go and return to my first husband, for then it was better for me than now. And she did not acknowledge that I gave her grain and new wine and oil and increased her silver and gold which they prepared for Baal. Therefore, I shall turn back and shall take away my grain in its time and my new wine in its appointed time, and I shall take away my wool and my linen covering her nakedness. And now I shall uncover her shame before the eyes of her lovers, and no one shall deliver her from my hand. And I shall cause all her rejoicing, her festivals, her new moons, her Sabbaths, even all her appointed times to cease. And lay waste her vines and her fig trees, of which she has said, These are my harlot fees that my lovers have given me. And I shall make them a forest, and the beasts of the field shall eat them. And I shall punish her for the days of the Baals, to which she burned incense and adorned herself with her rings and jewelry, and went after her lovers, and forgot me, declares Yahuwah. Therefore, see, I am alluring her, and shall lead her into the wilderness, and shall speak to her heart, and give to her vineyards from there, and the valley of Accor as a door of expectation. And there she shall respond as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up from the land of Mizraim. 
and it shall be in that day, declares Yahuwah, that ye shall call me my husband, and no longer call me my Baal. And I shall remove the names of the Baals from her mouth, and they shall no more be remembered by their name. And in that day I shall make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field, and with the birds of the heavens, and with the creeping creatures in the ground, when bow and sword and battle I break from the earth, and I shall make them lie down in safety. And I shall take you as a bride unto me forever, and take you as a bride unto me in righteousness, and in right ruling, and loving commitment and compassion. And I shall take you as a bride unto me in trustworthiness, and ye shall know Yahuwah. And it shall be in that day that I answer, declares Yahuwah, that I answer the heavens, and they answer the earth, and the earth answer the grain, and the new wine, and the oil, and they answer Israel. And I shall sow her for myself in the earth, and I shall have compassion on her who had not obtained compassion. And I shall say to those who were not my people, you are my people, while they say, my Elohim. I will now read from the book of Isaiah, chapter 54, verses 1 through 10. Sing, O barren one, you did not, you who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not been in labor. For the children of the deserted one are more than the children of the married one. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Spare not, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall break forth to the right and to the left, and your seed inherit the nations, and make the deserted cities inhabited. Do not fear, for you shall not be put to shame, nor hurt. You shall not be humiliated. For the shame of your youth you shall forget, and not remember the reproach of your widowhood any more. For your maker is your husband. Yahuwah Shabaoth is his name, and the set-apart one of Israel is your redeemer. He is called the Elohim of all the earth. For Yahuwah has called you like a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, like a wife of youth when you were refused, declares your Elohim. For a little while I have forsaken you, but with great compassion I shall gather you. In an overflowing of wrath I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting loving commitment I shall have compassion on you, said Yahuwah, your Redeemer. For this is the waters of Noah to me, in that I have sworn that the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth, so have I sworn not to be wroth with you, nor to rebuke you. For though the mountains be removed and the hills be shaken, my loving commitment is not removed from you, nor is my covenant of peace shaken, said Yahuwah, who has compassion on you. Finally, I will read from the book of Revelation chapter 21 verses 1 through 6. And I saw a renewed heaven and a renewed earth, for the former heaven and the former earth had passed away, and the sea is no more. And I, Yochanan, saw the set-apart city, renewed Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from Elohim, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the heavens saying, See, the booth of Elohim is with men, and he shall dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and Elohim himself shall be with them, and be their Elohim. And Elohim shall wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor mourning, nor crying, and there shall be no more pain, for the former matters have passed away. 
And he who was sitting on the throne said, See, I make all matters new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and trustworthy. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Aleph and the Thaw, the beginning and the end. To the one who thirsts, I shall give of the fountain of the water of life without payment. Hallelujah. Today's episode is sponsored by the Proverbs Experience on Instagram, a unique Israelite clothing and accessory brand owned by Sister Nadia Shada. She's been so generous enough to provide our goodies for the exclusive beauty giveaway in honor of the launch of the Watered Womanhood podcast. And the winner of today's giveaway is Sister Chanel Lewis, whom I believe is in Trinidad and Tobago. Sister Chanel has been an exclusive newsletter subscriber for almost a year now, and she never misses an update. Because she was so consistent, she knew all about the giveaway and even got access to today's episode two days early. If early access to episodes and private giveaways interest you, be sure to join my exclusive newsletter so you can experience more of what Water Womanhood has to offer and see more of what our beautiful sponsors have in store for us. Shout out once again to the Proverbs Experience. Make sure to follow her. And if you shop with her, make sure to tell her sister Asha sent you. Congratulations, Sister Chanel from Trinidad on your new limited edition purse, your limited edition earrings, your organic lip care kit, and your luxury faux mink eyelashes. I hope to see you with your goods when you receive them. And finally... Thank you again to every single Shebrew subscribed to the newsletter. I can see who's opening. I can see who's clicking, reading, and I really appreciate the love. I appreciate the friendship. All glory to the Most High. Now, back to episode one. So we see here with these three passages, and honestly, if we pay very close attention to scripture in general, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little, we will continue to see this commonality and the theme of, first of all, marriage throughout the scripture, the first institution that the Most High created. And second of all, the idea that he has a wife and that we are his wife. Well, how can we be his wife, right? Because according to the Torah, in order for a male and a female entity to be considered husband and wife, there's a series of rituals and customs which must take place in the presence of witnesses. Right. So in our marriage customs in Israel, in order for a male and female entity to be legally considered husband and wife, the two must first court. They must first get to know one another. They must first be introduced. They need to figure out if they actually like one another, if they're compatible. Secondly, some type of price must be paid by the man to the woman and or her family, a.k.a. a dowry. Then the two must agree to be endowed or betrothed. And this just means the payment was accepted. The agreement is accepted on both sides of the family. And the two are preparing for marriage exclusively. Now both being off limits to other people and to engage with others would be considered whoredom, fornication, and adultery. Next, we prepare for the actual marital ceremony in which the two parties share their vows. They have a contract, which includes that which they agree to throughout the duration of the marriage. 
And the covenant also includes what will be the result if these promises are not fulfilled. The two parties signed the covenant alongside the witnesses who also signed the covenant. After the covenant is signed in the presence of witnesses and by the witnesses, we then have a wedding feast, a celebration, a ceremony, a party, if you will. The actual wedding takes place. And last, but certainly not least, the man and the woman come together and he knows her. They become one flesh. They consummate their relationship. They have sex. Now, I'd like to introduce to you the idea that the Bible is actually a covenant, a covenant that records our marriage, our vows, our promises, our obligation as a wife, according to the Torah, the law, statutes, and commandments given to us by our creator. And as part of this covenant, our creator has also included his promises and his vows and has given us a surety of his word, the things which he guarantees to perform for us as our covering to wipe away our whoredom, to renew us from sin, to give us a new name, to blot away our transgressions, to save us, to take away our reproach, and to give us a new honor, a new status, and a new throne that can only be established for his wife, no more his slave. I would like to turn your attention to a verse which makes this abundantly clear for us. Galatians chapter 4 verses 1 through 7. And I say, for as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and trustees to the time prearranged by the father. So we also, when we were children, were under the elementary matters of the world, being enslaved. But when the completion of the time came, Elohim sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under Torah to redeem those who are under Torah in order to receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, Elohim has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, also an heir of Elohim through Mashiach. I will also proceed to read from Galatians chapter 4, verse 21 through 31, just a few verses down. Say to me, you who wish to be under Torah, do you not hear the Torah? For it has been written that Abraham had two sons, one by a female servant, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the female servant was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through promise. This is allegorical, for these are the two covenants, one indeed from Mount Sinai, which brings forth slavery, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is and is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. For it has been written, Rejoice, O barren, you, do who, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who do not have birth pains. For the deserted one has many more children than she who has a husband. And we, brothers, as Isaac was, are children of promise. But as he who was born according to the flesh, then persecuted him born according to the spirit, so also now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the female servant and her son, 
For the son of the female servant shall by no means be heir with the son of the free woman. Therefore, brothers, we are not children of the female servant, but of the free woman. Hallelujah. Also notice how this passage from the book of Galatians chapter 4 also quotes Isaiah 54, where the bride of Yahuwah is also mentioned. One of the main reasons that I also wanted to highlight this passage from the book of Galatians is because it makes it very clear that contrary to what the Catholics and Christians and most importantly, the Orthodox Christians try to push on us, Mary was not chosen to be the representative of the so-called queen of heaven. And in fact, this idea of a female matriarchal entity who reigns in heaven is not biblical at all because according to scripture, the queen of heaven is heaven itself. In order for there to be a queen of heaven, she must be the wife of the king. And according to scripture, the wife of the king is the city of Jerusalem coming down from heaven, prepared as a bride for her groom. Hallelujah. I also wanted to highlight this passage in Galatians because it mentions a dichotomy, a contrast between Sarah and Hagar, two women who both bore children for Abraham or the man who was the root of our nation. Except... One was actually his bride with whom he'd entered a covenant and one was his concubine by way of enslavement to his wife and to his family. The contrast that we see here is also one that represents the two states of Jerusalem because if you take a close look at the passage, it says that Hagar, who represents Mount Sinai, currently in Arabia, also corresponds to Jerusalem and our state of slavery and bondage. However, because we are not children of Hagar, who produced the Ishmaelites, we are the children of Sarah, who gave birth to Israelites. This means we are not the children of bondage and slavery, but we are the children of freedom, redemption, and grace. Notice how this passage also makes it very clear, as well as Genesis, where Hagar is cast out, that Hagar, with her son Ishmael, shall not be heir with Isaac. And yes, the Most High did make a similar promise to Hagar as he had with Sarah because Ishmael was a child of Abraham and all of Abraham's children received the promise because that was Abraham's gift. Ishmael would be made as innumerable as the sands of the sea as well. However, he will not be promised to become the holy nation, the bride of Yahuwah or the sovereign of sovereigns reigning in the kingdom because Yahuwah does not seek a slave to wife. Hagar represents our slavery to foreign gods, to our idols of wood and stone, because Abraham was her Lord and her master. But the scripture in Hosea chapter 2 says, for my bride, I will take away the names of Baal, right? The names of Lord, the names of masters, the names of strange gods out of your mouth, and you will no longer call me Lord. You will no longer call me master. I will not just be God. I will be your husband. I will be your partner. I will be your covering and your keeper. I will be your redeemer. Now, as I previously said, the Bible is the record of our covenant with the Most High. It is his promise to us that is not contingent upon our performance, but it's also our promise to him that is not contingent upon his performances as well, because we have an obligation whether cursed in the city or cursed in the field or blessed in the city or blessed in the field to fulfill our obligation to our husband to submit to be a holy nation a royal priesthood 
So if you're looking for the obligations and the covenant which we're supposed to fulfill as a bride to our husband with a capital H, look no further than scripture itself. From cover to cover, he makes it clear what he has expected of us, which he requires from us, which he demands of us. But because he's not our Lord or our master anymore, but our husband, it is not slavery and servitude which he desires, but friendship. There's no compulsion in this walk. We're not required to do anything. He gives us the choice and he gives us the reign because he wants us to do this with love, to follow him with love, to abide with him in love, to worship him in love, to have charity and give charity in love, from love, with love. I've said all this to say that my ideas of femininity, vulnerability, submission, Israelite etiquette, and what is appropriate for us as daughters of the Most High is just based on scripture and it's not some deep esoteric theology or some crazed, maniacal, matriarchal, queen of heaven, feministic ideology. I've also said all of this because for the duration of this podcast, when I do refer to the bride of Yahuwah, you will know that I am in fact referring to the expectation of Jerusalem according to the covenant which we have entered into with our husband, the Most High. So when I say we must become the bride of Yahuwah, all I'm saying is that we must realize the redemption that we already have and that we are no longer children of a slave and a bondwoman, but we have been reborn and we have been made new and we have been redeemed as his bride into the grace, riches, and honor of our royal priesthood. Hallelujah. Now, O daughter of Israel, I'm asking for myself. Are you his slave, continually evading your labor, trying to escape your duties, and looking to perform some type of hypergamous come up against the Most High, whom you see as nothing more than a sugar daddy in the sky? Or do you love him? Is he your faithful, trustworthy, lovable companion? Is the Most High Shabbat your husband with a capital H? My challenge for you this week is to pray about what it means to no longer have the names of Baal in your mouth. And my prayer is that we as one body continue to uncover this new thing because the former things have passed away. Amen. Amen. That is all for today's episode of Watered Womanhood. I hope you've been watered. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Be sure to follow, favorite, and leave a review wherever you're listening to make this podcast even more accessible. Remember, you can stay up to date and join us for more interesting dialogues at medium.com forward slash watered womanhood and contact me at the info in the description. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you're called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians chapter 3 verse 15. Shabbat Shalom.